the modern education system has failed you because you spend years in a structure that tells you the problem is clear, there is one right answer, there's always someone who knows the answer, the teacher, and to answer the question correctly, it's all about memory recall. That's not the case with software engineering. The problem is not always clear. There's rarely one right answer. Oftentimes, no one knows what the answer even is. And the answer is often achieved through experimentation rather than through straight memorization. So oftentimes, new developers don't really struggle so much with writing code as much as they do with becoming a software engineer, which is all about learning how to think which is why today I'm chatting with Ilya Dorman, the founder of Code for Humans, who uses the psychology of learning to help new developers get unstuck and unfocused to become confident and capable developers. So let's hear what he has to say about learning to think like a software engineer. So Ilya, thank you again for coming on. So to kick us off, in the context of software engineering, what does it mean to think? Um. So... I'll start with what is it that everyone thinks is to think and it's not. And when we go through the education system, we all, um, we all learn, like there is a structure to everything. There is a topic that we learn, and then we do exercises from that thing that we learn. So it's actually the only muscle that we train is recall. We learn something and then we spit it out on a test, on some homework assignment. But it's always, we'll learn one topic and then we take everything that we learned and we do some kind of exercise from it. And no, or almost no thinking happens. Thinking is actually when you don't know the answer. Because if you already know the answer, it's recall. It's memory recall. But thinking would be coming up with something new, putting some things together that you have not yet put together. Interesting. So then. You know, here at the Junior Jobs Podcast, we're all about helping new software engineers increase their skills, find that first job in tech. So in the context of software development, how would you approach a problem or how would you exercise that part of your brain so that you get better at, at thinking? Um, yeah. So first thing to understand is that you really need to differentiate when you're doing this and when you're doing that. So many times in my mentorship program, I ask a question from a student. And immediately the student says, I don't know. So what does this I don't know mean? I don't know means I don't remember. So I say, it's okay, you're not supposed to know. And what you should be doing is looking at the details and trying to go from what do I have right now to what is it that I want to have and have a few logical steps in between. So to be able to do that, you need to, first of all, understand where you are right now, which means if you're working on some kind of code, you need to understand all the small parts of what you're working on. And I think on one of our previous podcasts, I showed you like a very simple map function and asked you how many concepts are there in this thing. And there are a lot. So if you learned JavaScript for a week and somebody gives you a map function, there are like 10 concepts there that you need to explain. And if you don't fully understand them, you can copy paste, you can somehow solve the problem using Google or ChatGPT or whatever, but you won't be thinking. So that's the first step to understand what you need to do. Then you need to define clearly what is it that you want to have. And then you, you start experimenting. So when you, when you learn to ride a bike or you learn anything when you're young, when you do it from curiosity, you just try things. It's not like you try to, oh, 
uh, how did somebody tell me I'm supposed to ride a bike? How did somebody tell me I'm supposed to build with Lego? You never try to recall. You just think, oh, that would be nice to have a Lego pirate ship. Oh, maybe this piece can go here and this piece go there. And then you try it and maybe they don't come together. So you pull it apart and then you put it back again. But the worst thing that happens when you're used to this education system stuff is that you don't try. You just try to remember. You try to remember, oh, is there something I ever heard? Was there something? And it's like you're straining the wrong muscle. And a lot of people, it also brings up anxiety and brings up frustration because they feel they don't know how to do it. But it's like you're trying to lift the bag with your leg instead of with your arm. You're literally using the wrong muscle to get the result that you need. Yeah, and the, the truth about software engineering is that when you're starting out, there are so many tutorials for entry-level developers, but very often the problems that you address as a you know, full-time software engineer tackling you know, a real problem in front of you is not easily Googleable. Uh, you, can, you can find very simple answers to like how to use dates in JavaScript or something, but the tech stack and the problem domain that you're operating in is so specific to your specific you know, work function uh, that there's really no way you can expect somebody else uh, to know what the answer is. So yeah, you have, to, you have to think through it yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you talk about experimentation then, uh, as opposed to just recall. How do you yeah. build that experimentation muscle or how do you get more comfortable? Or how do you learn how to run an experiment the right way? So this is something you have to practice a lot. And since this is not a physical exercise, like a lot of people are much more comfortable with this idea when it's physical, because it's like they understand they cannot expect certain things of their body. If they haven't been weightlifting or if they haven't practiced some martial arts, they don't expect themselves to kind of get it. But for some reason, well, not exactly some reason, for the reason that the educational system is, we all expect completely unreasonable things from our mind. And we also prevent ourselves from trying because this is something that we literally never do. It's like, there is no class in school that the teacher says, Hey, here's this math problem. Try to find a way to solve it without me telling you anything about it before. Like th this literally never happens. Maybe in art class once in a while, but then you don't need the result. It's like all the time, everything is known that there is this, uh, uh, movie Truman's show. And because everybody wants him not to go out of this bubble world that he lives in, he sits in the class and the, he asks the teacher, oh, but what is this? I think he looked on a map or something. What is over there? And the teacher, oh, it's all explored. Everybody knows what there is. Like, there's no need to even try. Yeah, they're all shooting him down. Yeah, that's the interesting thing because, yeah, the, for every problem you're trying to solve in school, there is one right answer too that mm. you're trying to solve for yeah. yes. whereas exactly. in software engineering there is often not one right answer you have common practice best practices but they're all kind of contradict each other at times and it's all unique to your specific situation so the same developer presented or different developers presented with the same problem will have different solutions and that's totally fine if they're optimizing for different things yeah yeah so, exactly so then when you are approached with a, a situation that you don't quite know how to resolve, what questions would you start asking uh, to kind of put you on the right track to a good solution? So first of all, I would ask if I really understand where I am right now. Like, what is it that I have to work with? What moving parts do I have? Sometimes I wouldn't know 
to make the connection between them, but at least to take inventory of where I am right now and what is possible. Then try to make a picture that is as clear as possible of what the end result should look like to really have a detailed end result. So for software engineering, it's just a very clear spec for whatever feature or app that you're building to say, okay, I need this button to do an API call when I click and the API needs to send this and that, and then I need to display this and that. So to have a very clear assignment. And then there is the road in between. So you say, okay, that we need to get from here to there. What would be the first step? First step, we need to create a button. Okay, let's make a button. And we need the button to trigger a function when it's clicked. Okay, so let's do this. Let's create a function. Okay, so what does the function need to do? And you kind of build it step by step with the end result in mind. But you have to try things because in most cases, especially when you're a beginner, things won't work. You will try some things and they will fall apart. They will give you errors. Um, but the important part is this is where the learning happens. Because when you try something and you fail, this is where you understand that you thought you're here on the map, but you're actually there. You're not where you thought you were. And you need to understand why. Like learning happens only when you fail. If you go through a tutorial, a course or something, and everything works as it should work, you'll, you actually learn very, very little. Yeah, you just copy and paste everything and move on. You don't really think about it. Yeah. yeah. So there's, the, there's a balance here, though, of knowing the... the the tech stack to a certain degree so that you know like where to start uh and then obviously the balance of trying and iterating things on your own so you know what's the balance or what's that relationship between searching out existing answers and then combining that with you know, your experimentation what does that look like so from my experience as a mentor with students who are Usually entry-level JavaScript developers, they might have done a course, a bootcamp, or just tried some things on their own. Even though they always feel they lack knowledge, they usually know at least 70-80% of what they need to know to solve most of the problems they run into. Even, and this whole thing that they think sometimes that they don't know enough, it's, it's basically... I kind of want to call it a cope, but it's, it's just you know, a strategy of your brain. You run into something difficult and it's like an automatic reaction. I must have some knowledge missing. Otherwise I would have solved it. And again, this goes back to the recall. They try to remember if they know how to solve this existing problem, but there is no knowledge for every problem in the world. A lot of problems, they are solvable, but they are simple. So it it's actually not that often that you would run into really complicated problems. It's just a unique combination of some moving parts that most likely you won't find the answer to this exact combination. But if you think, if you actually try to go through this thought process of putting these things together, you would find that it's not that hard at all. So a lot of it, what I'm hearing is that it comes down to developing confidence in yourself, confidence in your ability to, to push through it. Because I feel like a lot of developers struggle with that imposter syndrome. I feel like they don't know enough. So they're always reaching out and asking for help. But you, got, you have to have yeah. that confidence uh, in yourself. So, I, um, well, no. Because oh, okay. confidence, yeah. no, confidence comes later. A lot of people think that confidence is just a magical thing that is bestowed upon. You cannot develop confidence. You can develop skill. And when you've done something and you know you can do it, then you have confidence. Because what confidence is literally, I am confident that I can do that, right? But mm -hmm. you can't. Like 
right now you haven't done that. So where would the confidence come from? You cannot feel confident if you've never succeeded at what you're trying to do. So it's not about developing confidence because a lot of people think I'm not confident enough to try. And this is again, another cope of not trying or not trying. Um, no, you just need to try. And it's not that you need to be confident that you will succeed is that you need to be okay with failing. That is far more important to be okay with failing, to say, I will go into it and there is good chance I will fail, but failing is actually how you learn. And later that's you will have confidence. I'm oh, sorry. I interrupted you. I was just saying, yes, that's the first step. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if I can share my, my own personal story here, this is something that happened to me about a year ago and I, I've been coding for the better part of a decade now. Uh, but I was trying to learn a new technology stack and I found, I, I even at, at my level, uh, struggled with exactly what you're talking about. I got a tutorial off of Udemy that was 40 hours long. And I figured, hey, if I watched this 40 hour tutorial, I should know everything about uh, this technology. And even then, after finishing it, struggled. But then I found one tutorial that was like, it was like uh, 10 minutes. It was just the the high level, kind of what you need to know about the folder structure, how fol how files interact. And just that 10 minute a video did more to help me understand where I needed to go than just having somebody hold my hand the entire time. Because it gave me building blocks uh, that I could then uh, play with and figure out on my own. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there is also another reason that it doesn't matter how many hours of tutorial course you would watch, you would actually not get the results that you want. And it's simply because the heavy lifting is the thinking, is the making decisions. Do we want this kind of data structure? We're going to use an array, an object, an array of objects. Are we going to use this library, that library, this function? Every tutorial and every bootcamp, every course that you do, they make these choices for you. They say, okay, so we have a list of people, so we're going to put them in an array. And then we need to display them this way and that way. And they never ask you. So let's say you have a list of people. How would you organize them? Right? It's like the, one of the first things when I start with my students, we plan an app and ask them, okay, so let's create a data structure for the app. So you have a list of users. What data do they need? How are you going to organize it? And they completely blank. And it's fine because it's, again, I think I already mentioned this meme with uh, Neo and why, why do my eyes hurt? So it's like, why does my brain hurt doing this? Because you've never done it before. You've always been told this is how you do it. And, and that's it. Uh, which is the value of... The, the personal project, the side project that's outside of the tutorial. Uh, I'd say if you have some idea of something you want to build, I'm sure there's something that's motivated you to get into coding in the first place and start working on this completely, you know, greenfield development idea that you have because you're going to be forced to tackle uh, those type of questions. Yeah, exactly. So then as far as the way you're thinking uh, versus reality, any other thoughts for how you can you know, exercise your brain more so that you can get better at kind of connecting your thoughts and what the real world is? Um, yes, just working on something that you come up with or something that nobody, nobody gave you the end result when the process has been already thought through. So yeah, basically having a side project is the best way because then you define your goals. You say, okay, I need this thing to do that. And then you have to figure out how to make this thing to do that. Um, there is something I wanted to, to add. It's the fact that there are different types of thinking, of thinking that people usually have. There is the more analytical structured thinking, 
And there is the more abstract kind of artistic, creative thinking. And I think the second kind, the more abstract, people who have this kind of thinking tends to have more problems with coding because they tend to see, to see, let's say a narrative where there is a list of instructions and it's like their map tends to get much more obscure because they tend to add up more meanings and more things that aren't actually there. And people who, who just think in, in logic and facts, they don't have, it's like this part kind of gets in your way. So it's like another thing that makes this process a little bit harder for these people is the need to disconnect fact from the narrative or the story that is in their head. Uh, any thoughts for how they can you know, iterate on the question in their mind so that they can you know, break through that problem that you're describing? Um, well, I'm one of these people. You're speaking from uh, personal experience. Yeah, yeah. And it's, again, practice. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say that it's it's just harder. It's a bit of a longer process. But it's really noticing the details. It's trying to stay away from what your brain thinks something does compared to what is it that it, the, the code says it does. Like I have a lot of moments. I think the student that I end up having, more of them tend to be on the more creative side, maybe because I'm just attracting, I'm resonating more with people like this. But it's like I ask them, what does this line of code do? And then they tell me a story and then... I ask them, well, show me in the code where this is happening. And then they blank because then they realize they just told me a story that was in their head and they didn't read the code at all because they were so convinced of the story in their head. So it is really kind of a mindfulness process of letting go of the story in your head and looking at the facts. Yeah, to add to that, I've worked with juniors before that you know, there's a bug, they don't know what's going on and they have a lot of code. Uh, so. What I have them do is we just you know, delete all of that or comment it out and just start at the simplest function, you know, calling this function and then uncomment out one line at a time. And let's talk through like the logic of the code because they try to absorb so much complexity at once as opposed mm -hmm. to just finding the smallest working piece of code and just slowly building on that and validating it every step along the way to make sure that you're, you're building on working code and not building on some broken foundation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if any of our listeners are having a hard time learning programming uh, and feel like they're facing a lot of the issues that you described today, how can they get in contact with you to get some help? Uh, sure, they can schedule a consultation call with me. And if I see that I can help them, I will. So what I usually do is one-on-one -on -one mentorship. And it's uh, usually 10 sessions. I found this to be the most effective time for, for them to see results. I will also probably start doing small group sessions, which will be probably up to five, six people because a lot of the problems are quite similar. So yeah, uh, just send me a message on LinkedIn or via the link that you will share. And I would be happy to talk with you. Very good. And make sure to let them know that you heard about him through the Junior Jobs podcast for 10% off. Uh, well, Definitely. thank you, Ilya, so much for joining us today. It's all the time that we have. Uh, so thank you all that are listening, and we will see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Junior Jobs Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to like and subscribe as that helps us reach more developers in need. 
And don't forget to check the show notes for details on today's sponsor and other job search services that we provide. 